Hello, and welcome to episode 134 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Travis Gibb and Luke Stone, the team behind Voodoo Nations on Kickstarter now. This is Matt, and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. Travis, uh, you're a returning guest. Thanks so much for for being on the podcast. Uh, Why don't you lead us off with a quick bio about yourself and the comics that you make? Well, first, thank you for having me back. I really had a lot good time last time. We talked about some of the deeper cuts of comics. You know, most people are just like, pitch your project. I'm going to ask you one question, and then we're out of the way. And I really appreciated the really constructing comics part of it. It was it was interesting. Properly named. But I am Travis Gibb. Um, I, I'm best known for a book called Broke Down and Poor Dead Bodies. Uh, I've done three issues of that. It uh, does really well on Kickstarter. A lot of people talk about it. Um, I uh, do a new book called Voodoo Nations, which we're going to talk a little bit about today. Um, but I also have uh, Cthulhu Invades Oz, which is a book coming out. And I've been in all sorts of little things. Uh, Matt and I were just in a book that I think he, I saw his copy right behind his head. Uh, Cthulhu, uh, it's hard to spell. That's correct. Uh, we were both in number two. So, uh, yeah, so I'm around. I've done a few things. Awesome. Uh, so, Luke, uh, this is your first time being on, but we're very excited to have you on. So why don't you uh, tell us a little about yourself and uh, the comics that you make? Yeah, sure. I'm really excited to be here. Um, I think it's you know it's pretty awesome uh, meeting new people and talking about comics and stuff. So pretty excited about that. Um, I make I've been I've had my hands in, in uh, probably a couple dozens worth of uh, comics over the years as a letter writer artists, colorists, different, you know, different levels and stuff like that. But I'm most noted for a series that I just uh, completed the first arc of called Hybrids, the Sons of Gods. There's some pictures behind me right there of hybrids. And uh, I obviously am the artist of Voodoo Nations and uh, I'll be drawing a couple other projects and writing uh, and co-writing a couple other projects here coming out here in the next few, uh, next few months. And um, let me see. Yeah. I started a company during the pandemic. So that was fun too. So oh, nice. why don't, why yeah. don't you, uh, while we're there, why don't you tell us what this company is? Yeah. Terraformcomics.com. We're changing the landscape of comics. So there's six of us that have come together to, to really kind of um, uh, help one another and, and others that are like-minded kind of break through the wall, if you will, for comics in the indie comics industry and, and uh, just get a little bit further than where we have been on our own. So pretty excited about it. Very excited. Very cool. Luke, I think you might have the best sound quality of any guest we've ever had on before. Like, you've got a great setup, man. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, uh, I'm, I, I did audio engineering for a while, so there's that. <laughs> yeah. Makes so sense. Coming in crystal clear, it's, like, really pleasing to listen to. So, yeah, I have to compliment you on that. Um, Travis, uh, you can get screwed. I'm joking. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, I look at you guys. You guys all have these big giant mics, and I'm here with a little uh, computer mic going, hello? hello? Yeah. Um, that's, I, how, that's how I did it for a while, too. My wife got me this mic. It was really nice of her. Um, but uh, sorry for that, uh, for me having to compliment uh, Luke and then nag on Travis. But uh, I had a question for both of you guys. How did you guys meet each other? Was it just from doing indie comics and Kickstarter stuff. We worked at the same gentleman's club. No, I'm joking. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's how Matt and I met, except not what you'd think. I'm joking. No, no, no. Uh, we met through Facebook. Uh, we both have a mutual friend, Rob Anderson. And uh, I really learned about Travis uh, when he was uh, kind of talking about this book called Dog Days. I think it's a Dog Days 
Is that the name of it, Travis? That's that's a book. Yeah. Yeah. Dog, but, dog uh, day, I think dog days is a bit of a uh, yeah. situation, isn't it? But yeah, yeah. But that's that's how I first learned about, about him. It. I mean, that's, that's how I first learned about him. And so I was like, you know, I, uh, and so I checked, uh, you know, kind of had seen him uh, kind of through some of those things, but actually wound up meeting him through um, mutual friend, Rob Anderson. So, yeah. Hey, yeah. Awesome. Uh, as, as a lot of people know in the community um, behind the scenes, I'm helping a lot of people out on a regular basis. And Luke was uh, running his Kickstarters and I thought he could raise some more money. So I called him up and gave him some advice and, he he did raise more money, and between that, we started being a friendship and started talking about ideas. You know, he had he was working for a different company, and I was like, you know, I'd like to be published by somebody else. I got an idea, and I just was randomly shooting ideas at him, and uh, he was like, I really like that one. Can I draw it? Yeah, yeah. You he pitched a whole <laughs> bunch of yeah. He, he pitched a whole bunch of different uh, different comics uh, at the time. Uh, like, he, well, he was getting ready to pitch a whole bunch. And the first one he talked about was like some kind of superhero book. And that company had tons of superhero books. And um, I draw like I currently write and draw. Hybrids is kind of a superhero esque book. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, uh, all right, let's hear it. But he's like, nah. I kind of got this other idea called Voodoo Nations. And I was like, yeah, keep talking. <laughs> By the time he was done with it, I was like, um, so I think I want to draw that one. <laughs> All right. So I think that's a good transition. Uh, Travis, we're going to go back to you. Why don't you uh, give us a, a little pitch for Voodoo Nations then? Yeah, I can, but Luke is better at it, um, <laughs> which is weird because I'm the writer. So I don't understand how that works at all. <laughs> But well, yeah, we'll, how about you give your pitch, and then we'll have Luke give his pitch, and then we'll decide who's is better afterwards. We'll be the judge. I just told you who is better, but all right, if <laughs> I can go through the charades, that's fine. Um, two missionaries uh, go go to Brazil uh, to help uh, solve a big crisis. Do what they do, but they when they get there, they invade a voodoo priest territory, and because of that, they cause a big chaos whirlwind. That causes them to be world trekking from New Orleans to Mexico to solve a problem of someone's soul. Very cool. All right, so Luke, uh, pitch right. wars. Let's let's go. Yeah, He's here so you go. Much better at it. Than yeah, this is <laughs> <laughs> talking is literally my day job. So that's what I do, like all the time. So, <laughs> all right. So two young missionaries uh, have the world turned upside down by a diabolically wicked voodoo priest by the name of Bishop Lucas. Uh, Follow their terror as they uh, trek the world in this four-issue miniseries called Voodoo Nations. Don't miss it. Ooh, that was tough. So, I, I like both of them. I don't know if I can decide. But just if, uh, so, Luke, if you could do something for me, could you go in a world where two missionaries? <laughs> in a world where two missionaries find themselves in a whole lot of crap. <laughs> very good. Very good. So it's the mic. Um, it's the mic. It has it nothing to do with my right? pitch. It's just that you love his <laughs> yeah. mic so much that it's I love his mic. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So, well, um, yeah. no, go ahead. Oh, no, I think I was going to ask the same question you were going to ask probably about just the inception of this idea um, for Voodoo Nation. Uh, where did it, where, where does the inspiration for this come from? Uh, I guess it's a two-part question for you, Travis. Where did the story idea come from? And then Luke, what are your art inspirations when drawing this story? Again, Luke tells it better than me. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not in this case. Get off the Zoom meeting, Travis. You're bringing us down. <laughs> no. Um, so 
so there was a gentleman who asked me um, to do a voodoo story. And he pitched me a concept. On a, and I'm not going to share the concept in case he tries to do it at some point. But uh, it was set in Haiti. Um, and it had to do with mass murderers. And it, it was a little more complicated than that. But uh, I wrote a whole thing out. And I added my own ideas on that. I um, mean, he didn't like it at all. Just flat out didn't like it. Thought it was horrible. And I was like, I really like it. Um, so I, I took all of his ideas out and started writing my own thing. And I was like, no, not only do I like it, I love it. I think it's great. <laughs> so I went back to him and I was like, I'm taking this because you didn't pay me. I just want to have this conversation before something happened. And this was a year before I even met Luke. Like I was just letting him <laughs> one day because when Luke, because I gave Luke a fully fleshed out four issue mini. Like it wasn't like, hey, I just got this idea. It was like, here's the four issue arc. Bam. Yeah. Um, this happens in issue one, issue two, issue three, <laughs> issue four. And I'm like, crap, let's start growing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's because I, I had it really fleshed out uh, because I really wanted to make a, a comic that was closely. I, the way I write comics is their movies, right? Anything I write is what I could visually see in a film. You know, if you read Broke Down, it reads like a, a crime film. It's just the dialogue, the pacing, all of it's very filming. So it's the same way. You know, act one, we're, we're here. Act two, we're going to someplace else. Act three, we're going someplace else. Uh, act four, we're going back to the original place. You know, the world treading adventure. So that's what it is. But I also, um, I, I'm a Christian, uh, but I find my religion, it, we take it way too seriously. And we don't address the bullshit in it and the hypothesis. <laughs> And I really wanted to show that you can do other things. And like these, these issues conflict missionaries, they struggle with me because they go into other people's cultures and they try to change who they are a lot of times. You know, um, I am a web designer and I have a few missionaries and they get Thanksgiving off. Why the hell does someone in Haiti need Thanksgiving off? No, you're telling them American holidays. Like, stop. And it stresses me out. And it's not just one, it's several. Um, so I wanted to attack some of those issues. So when I talked to Luke and Luke being a pastor, you know, we went over some of these things that I want to tackle on a, on a bigger level, but do it in a fun story and also explore other religions and how they clash and how their viewpoints are. Now, obviously this is a more fictional version of voodoo. You know, there's mm -hmm. going to be some very crazy supernatural stuff. Um, I mean, maybe they can do it. I don't know. They tell me they can, but Wow, there's a lot to break down there. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah, that's that's really great. Yeah, and um, yeah, but Luke, yeah, before we break that down, yeah, Luke, what what are you drawing on for inspiration for your art? Yeah, so yeah, there was a lot to unpack there. So you know what it was like when he pitched it to me. So I had a lot <laughs> yeah. to unpack. And so as I started to unpack some of those things, that's kind of where I drew the inspiration for the art from. I knew that um, our protagonist had to be kind of like your everyday kind of people. And they had to... Um, See, being in ministry, I, I know a lot of, like, actually, I'm in close friends with people that are missionaries in some of these other locations, you know, around the world. And so kind of knowing who they are and, and kind of some of the struggles that they might have for their faith. So it's like, what kind of person would they look like? How would they, how would they fit? But the, the, the protagonist wasn't really the thing that I focused on the most, where I really like the first thing that my, when pencil hit paper that I drew was Bishop Lucas, like the main antagonist, because I feel like in any story, the antagonist has to be, has to be um, 
kind of the real draw for the reader, especially when you're doing something that, that takes kind of these two religious worlds and kind of collides them. And voodoo and Christianity have had a real storied past, you know, and, and uh, so we both have kind of this faith background. And uh, I, I intentionally, knowing what I do for a living of being a pastor, I intentionally try to do things that are, um, uh, that are not stereotypical of what you might think that would, you know, that would come from a pastor who draws comic books, you know? Yeah. So I try to do, I try to do storytelling uh, in a, in a very interesting way. So I thought let's really focus in on our, our antagonist. And so as he described the antagonist as kind of a mix between Loki and Negan, um, I started to, to really kind of get this visual idea of kind of like the snaky skinny kind of like really diabolical dude that, that, his body and his his body language and his uh just his look was kind of all kind of all weird and almost joker-esque in in some cases and so the first thing i did i drew this face with this big chin and this smile and uh and i was like you know he smiles like that with that tight pursed lips because he's got bad teeth you know like that was the first thing i was like he's got to have bad teeth you know um <laughs> Because everyone thinks like, you know, with that big smile, he's going to have like these big giant white teeth. I'm like, nah, this guy's got to be like, I want people to read it and look at the art and think, man, that guy probably smells bad. And he's probably sticky, you know, <laughs> like if you touch him, things might stick to him. So he looks sticky. Um, so that's kind of the, the, where it kind of drew from knowing what, where Travis wanted to go with it and just kind of wanting to give that look, that feel of just different. Wow. Very, very cool. Travis. Um, you your previous work broke down is sort of a, a crime story in the in the vein of like a tarantino movie so what were some of the the changes that you had to make telling something that's sort of more um not real world with uh you know supernatural elements uh maybe some more sort of closer to like superhero uh you know story elements what, what were some of the challenges there um less f words um and there was, I was sad to see them go. Um, I, I, I miss them. I want, uh, you know, I may slip one in because they're, they're just part of my heart. Uh, the other thing that um, I really, uh, I mean, I'm very good at character development. People can tell my characters apart. They, they can read them. So I had mastered that. But I, what I had to do is I had to tell it from a different uh, perspective. You know, uh, the story is told... Uh, in the future, she's writing a letter to herself and you're kind of seeing it, how it plays out. So I did kind of the old school storytelling, but for this first issue, it's super tight. Um, Cause uh, not only am I, because it's not real world, I have to create a world. I have to create the rules of voodoo and the way it works. So it's called Voodoo Nations for a reason. There's not just one place with voodoo. When we go to New Orleans, we're gonna meet completely different voodoo priests. When we go to Mexico, we're gonna meet completely different voodoo priests. Uh, they all have a symbol that they have to wear amongst them. And we're kind of hiding a lot of that stuff. You know, if you listen to this podcast, you get some inspired information. But I had to build this world. So it was very different in that aspect. Uh, but I, but I, what I tried to do is really just focus on the characters, focus on their relationship, and focus on making them unique. So even though we're writing a story about missionaries, I, they're punk rock kids. Like they have tattoos, they have all these things because I wanted to write characters that are relatable to me. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't grow up in a, the, I wasn't a Christian kid. Like I wasn't that. I did become a Christian later in life, but I wasn't that kid. I, the guy who writes Broke Down and Four Dead Bodies, it would be fake to, to, to have something like that. So I drove missionaries that I know things about and they're 
hardcore kids are from the hardcore metal scene and they're trying to do this thing that they don't fully understand and they just want to do it because they feel led to do so and what that causes not having all the the, the tools that they need to do it right. Wow. Yeah. Are, are you guys, uh, are, are both of you uh, like heavy research people? So when you do, when you're building this world, are you drawing upon real uh, actual like culture, like voodoo culture in each of these nations oh, uh, the art side and on the writing side? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, even the missionaries, we found a group called, there's a band called uh, Sleeping Giants, which is a hardcore band. We added them to the comic and they have a group called Rev Group, which is a bunch of all hardcore rock kids. So that's on the Christian side. Like we literally asked them permission to use them in the book. Nice. And then on the voodoo side, we studied Brazil voodoo, we studied um, New Orleans, we studied Mexican in, in Mexico, Mexican, Mexico, and how they di how differentiate, how their gods are different, and all that. And that's the real reason why we stayed away from Haiti, because if you don't know, Haiti's voodoo culture is crazy. Like a lot of them actually believe in Christianity. They believe Christianity and voodoo is the same thing. Right? Wow. So there's a lot of stuff that we're like, that's way too much to unpack for a new reader. Mm -hmm. Let's give them something more different where, where Brazil voodoo is still is kind of like waving. It's kind of out. So there's only certain little groups that do it. It's not like prominent like it is in Haiti. Yeah. Uh, especially like for the art side, like in designing Bishop Lucas, I just looked through all kinds of voodoo like things that I could. So like if anyone would, would go and look at my search history, they'd be like, Oh, pastor, <laughs> is there some things you need to, we need to talk about? Uh, so I researched all kinds, but pr particularly Brazil. And it, it starts in an area around Brazil, around a, a, like a disaster that took place there. So it took, it, it kind of revolves around this like real life event. And so I researched that a bunch and um, it, to the point to where, you know, I, uh, I've been, you know, I, did a lot of test draws of drawing Brazilian people and trying to find out, okay, well, what, what is the, the, the number of people that you would have in a scene that might be Brazilian or multi-ethnic, you know, what would it look like in there? What do their buildings look like? You know, um, all of that kind of stuff. And it's, it's not a lot different than what we have here. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty much the same. So it makes it kind of easy, but the, the voodoo side, it's some very specific things about the voodoo there. And so our layout artist, Brian Dawson actually did uh, some, so I, so I can keep drawing quickly. I use a guy that does all the layouts for me and he does all these thumbnails and he actually went and kind of did some of the research too. And so, you know, knowing how uh, kind of anal I am about that stuff. And, and so he like would, look, it's like, oh, well, this particular ritual would be done in this particular kind of a uh, outfit. And, you know, so we kind of did all of those kind of bits of research to it, to the point that even our, our colorist is actually from Brazil oh, nice. and has family that was affected by the disaster that we start the book out with. Wow. And our editor is a theologian with a master's degree in theology. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we, we, we dotted as many T, I's and T's as we could. Wow, Even yes. the T's that didn't need out dots, we added them to them because just in case. Yeah, you guys are stacked. That's awesome. So, um, yeah. Uh, Travis, who's editing this book? Uh, Andrea Moldonati from Scout. Uh, also does The Shepherd uh, for Caliber. Uh, really, really well-known guy. But yeah, he's the editor for this book. Very cool. So I want to loop back into to Luke. Uh, he had mentioned that uh, the layout artist uh, – 
breaks down some stuff. So I want to do some art process. Um, so is that, uh, is that digital? Do you get something that you, you digitally draw over? Or are you printing out those layouts and, and working from that? Uh, how does, how does that work? Yeah, I've been working digital for a while now. Um, it's been, and I know there's some people that like traditional is the way to go, but you know, I think things are going to move eventually to where it's more digital artists than anything. It's, it's out of convenience and cost, honestly. Mm -hmm. uh, it, when I was practicing about five years ago, I made the switch because it, paper was expensive, pencils, inks, all of that stuff was so expensive. It was hard for me to, uh, to really practice. But once I moved digital and I could just, you know, delete and undo uh, my, my art grew tremendously. So uh, I work digitally. And so our layout artist actually works. Sometimes he works digital. Sometimes he works traditional, but for all of my layouts, he just does a real quick, like uh, clip studio um, thing, you know, so he does a digital thing. So he sends me that. And then that just kind of becomes my, my basis for where the page might go. Mm -hmm. um, he, uh, you know, we've worked on several projects together. So he's, you know, uh, he knows me, I know him. And so we work pretty well together with that stuff. And so, yeah, but all digital. I like it. I like working digital. And Travis, do you see those layouts uh, before, before they go to Luke? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw the whole book. It was so crazy because um, having the book. So I've had the, you know, the layouts. He does such a good job on layouts. Like literally I'm like, so for like an extra five bucks, the book's done. Like, like seriously, <laughs> like, like seriously, they're crazy. So like five bucks a page of the book's done. Like uh, seriously, though Luke showed me the difference between layouts and what he does. Like mm -hmm. definitely. But when I saw it, like it was so close to being done. And when I work with Felix, Felix has worked with me so long. He kind of knows what I like. I mean, because as I explained in my last interview, like Brokedown was, we've worked on it for years. So he kind of knows what I like in my style. So he just gives me finished pages. And if he doesn't like it, we redo it. Uh, to have the whole story like months ago was just the coolest thing for me. Like, I was like, why don't I get layouts from everybody? Even though I've gotten layouts, but nobody has ever done the full book and handed it in. Oh, like, wow. it's only, <laughs> I'm going to do this page. Uh, here's the layouts for this page. You approve them. I'm going to do this page. I've never had anybody do the whole book out so I can see it and visualize it and make some comments. So it was, mm. it was a well, you, that, and that's funny. Cause that's how I always work, you know, cause I draw several books. And so in order to keep my pacing the way I need to, like, I will take a script once it's done with the editor, I'll send it to the layout guy and then the layout guy will take care of it. And then he'll send that to the editor. And once that's approved, it gets put in a file. And as soon as I'm done with this book, I go start on that book. Um, and so I've got another book that, you know, Brian's already been doing layouts on. I've got another guy that does layouts. And so, yeah, they provide me with this really cool, like everything's paneled out the way it needs to go. And if there needs to be something changed, the editor works on that change and says, Hey, this needs to go here or there, or Hey, this should probably look a little bit different. Some of the stuff does change when I take it over, like um, especially the last couple of pages of Voodoo Nations, there's uh, one particular like spirit thing that I wanted. I had a real, I had a visual for my head, what I wanted to look like and things like that. Uh, but yeah, so I get these, um, you know, kind of unfinished, um, not quite stick figures. They're, they're kind of fleshed out a little bit, but like mm -hmm. kind of these unfinished characters and camera angles and stuff like that and, and backgrounds. And I'm like, okay, so it just gives me a real starting point to go from. And all of like the real thinking and hard work has been done already. So I, I can just draw the page and just keep moving quickly. Uh, like I said, I'm drawing like four or five books. So it just, there's no way that I can do the layout process on all of them. Uh, I, I could, but it just, it slows me down so much. It seems to be one of those areas where I 
am the slowest. So, um, yeah, it looks great. So like we have the whole story, we know how it's going to go. And, uh, I remember Travis was like, dude, can you believe this? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah, this is how every book looks when I, <laughs> when I'm doing it. So uh, wow. it's kind of weird. Those, it, and I think Travis might be sold on, on having layouts done prior to the art starting from this point on though, I think. Yeah, I don't. It doesn't matter who's drawing it now. I'm just gonna hire your layout guy and be like, "I'm sorry, your styles don't fit. That's not my problem. This is the layouts." <laughs> <laughs> what What do your scripts look like, Travis? Are you really detailed with all your uh, with your descriptions of panels and characters and everything in your scripts, or are you no, pretty bare bones? I'm, I'm very bare bones. Uh, you know, I leave a couple of notes and a couple of uh, uh, research stuff in my scripts if uh, something needs to be described, you know, uh, like a, some of the voodoo stuff that I wanted Luke to see and the flood specifically, I, I left the links in there. But for the most part, no, I let the artists do their thing. The only time there's an exception of that, if I really need something to happen, like I, I give a detail. So you could tell like this is really important. Okay. Um, and I try to explain the notes on that. But yeah, for the most part, I'm pretty bare bone uh, because I'm known really for my dialogue uh, than more than my, my script writing ability. Not that my scripts are bad, just like uh, the dialogue is what I excel at. That's awesome. That's really cool. And uh, so Luke, when you're, when you're writing scripts, does that sort of help with like, uh, with, with like we're talking to Travis about story stuff and everything, both of you guys sort of being writers in your own right as well? Yeah, I, think, I think it does because I'm, I'm kind of in the writer's head uh, for part of the process and I'm in the artist head for part of the process. So I'm able to like really span that gap. Like I, I kind of get what some, like when a writer's asking for this or that, you know, so we kind of, you know, have that. And I kind of also know when something, like I just looked at a script today that someone gave me that I'm, that I'm drawing and I'm like, I just don't know if that panel works. I really like all of this other stuff, but that one panel is kind of like that, like visually I don't know how that's going to look I get like where the writing's coming from but maybe there's another way we can approach that you know so it really does help because I can I can see the difference in those things and we can talk about those things I remember when I got broke when I got um Voodoo Nations I printed it off and I made my notes and then we had a phone call you know nice yeah it was really interesting because I don't work with a lot of American artists uh, right. I, so it was really interesting to have it and him catching things he's like Travis this doesn't make sense and I'm used to not having to explain myself, uh, but having to work and going, oh, this is for issue two. Like it's here because I need it for issue two. That's okay. why you have to draw that now because that, that's not relevant. You're right. Because he's trying, Luke's trying to cut things out where like uh, Argentinian artists are like, that's what he told me to draw. I'm going to draw it, whatever. Right. Uh, where, where Luke's like, does this have purpose? Does this move the plot forward? This doesn't, uh, this isn't necessary. Uh, but but all of it is necessary, and I write those things uh, prepping because I I do a like like Luke said I do one through four, I have one through four like a a small he's seen the paragraph breakdown and then I have an issue by issue page by page breakdown that's before I even get to the script, uh, so uh, I wanna I, I have things that I ha need to set up in certain emotions and certain panels that need to be right to make that work. Very cool. Very cool. So earlier you had mentioned Felix. Is Felix uh, the the colorist on on Broke Down as well? Is that uh, the colorist you work with? No, no, no. Felix is the the, the artist. Uh, I work with James Sims uh, okay. for the colorist, or Victor Munoz. Uh, James Sims has been sick the last couple of years. He's struggling with cancer. So oh, oh man. So he, I'll let him do a few pages, and if he can finish, he can finish. If he can't, then we just we move on. Oh. 
Have you worked so, with the colors before, Luke? Um, uh, Luke the, is the colorist. Oh, wow. You're the colorist on this book. Oh, awesome. Nice. Oh, no, no, I'm not the colorist on this book. Um, okay. No, no. I, the colorist for Voodoo, uh, yeah. Yeah, I've worked with him a couple of times. He's done a few covers and stuff for me, and that's what, why we brought him in. Um, we actually uh, replaced the colorist. That was actually really good. Yeah. Uh, one of the, that, which was interesting thing, you know, we, uh, we had a colorist who was really, really good, but his stuff looked very similar and felt very much like my broke down properties. Okay. Um, like, like in broke down, uh, I know Matt's read it. Uh, you know, I have always the blue, it's all setting in a, like a sunset. So there's like purple skies mm -hmm. and blue skies and it's beautiful. This gentleman wrote all the skies like that. And he really, we, we couldn't get off of him to, he's like, but these skies are really, really beautiful. I was like, yes, but I don't want to be the guy who every time you read my book, there's a purple sky. You know, yeah. it, yeah. <laughs> it he, wasn't he, that he was doing anything wrong. It's just. Yeah. The, the purple was, sky averse, <laughs> sky universe. Yeah, purple he would spend universe. a lot of time on the, on the skies and things like that. There were elements that were just absolutely beautiful. And then for me, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an editor, you know, I'm a story editor, you know, and an art editor, you know, I work with people on that kind of stuff. And so I'll look at it and I'm like, Oh, that's a really beautiful sky. But you know, there's always that kind of like, but there. And I'm like, uh, I wish you would spend a little less time on the sky and a little more time on the foreground characters. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but he's, you know, but I, I hire this guy all the time. It's like my cover artist, like to color my covers and stuff. He's amazing artist, amazing colorist. And I was very excited to work with him. Um, but, uh, when we got some samples back from Alan, he just, I mean, they were just, um, he found like the thing that needed to be focused on and he really did that. And it really gave the book a different kind of feel. Um, Cause we're dealing with some dark subject matter. And so the beginning of the book, we try to lighten it up a little bit with some glows and some lights. We try to make the, you know, Bishop Lucas really shine in the, um, you know, in the sense that he's a good guy to some people, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, so, yeah, it's worked out really well. It's cool. And then uh, like for you, uh, as a as a writer artist, so when you're doing your own stories, Luke, when you're when you're writing them, do you are you someone that sort of like is very detailed with your scripts, like panel by panel, or do you sort of Marvel method yourself, where you just draw? You have like a rough idea of where the story is going, and you just draw page by page. Yeah, well, I used to do that. Uh, I did that for like one or two issues of a book. Um, it didn't really work out for me, especially when I started taking on like multiple projects at once. And I had to move to this, like where I'm working as a team and I'm kind of like the pencil finisher and okay. then I would do the inks. And now I'm actually kind of moving on to where I'm just the pencil finisher. And I do, I hand that off to someone else for inks. So I have to make sure that it's scripted out really well for my layout guys. And I had another layout guy before I started using Brian and I just had to redo like a lot of what he was doing. Um, and our styles were not at all close together. So it was like, you know, I, I told him, I was like, please don't do any kind of like bulk, anything, just do a stick figure. Just give me the perspective and, you know, kind of rough in some backgrounds for me so I can just, so I can go at it. Um, but when I found Brian, he was, you know, his style, my style matched quite a bit and he's able, he's one of those rare artists that's able to like adapt his style to someone else's work. So he knows what I'm looking for after read, what, looking at several of the books that I had completed. So when I, when I script, I have to think that I'm scripting for another artist, you know, that yeah. I, I may not be drawing this one, you know, I may get the layouts back and I may not have time for it. So I may pass it on to another penciler. So, um, because I do so much writing and, and, and drawing. So I, I've 
really chalk that stuff full of like detail and anything that I'm thinking in my head that I want down so that they, you know, they don't have to, you know, if I want them to be like, Hey, be creative. All right. Be creative. Have fun with it. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. For the most, yeah. Are you, are you someone who enjoys drawing backgrounds or are you someone like sane people who only enjoy drawing characters? Um, you know, it depends on the background. I hate doing buildings, but I love doing trees. Um, Same. You know, there's this, uh, the, the, page, the last few pages I was drawing for Voodoo, there's so many trees. And it was like, I got like Zen, you know, like drawing <laughs> the trees. I'm like, oh, Travis, write more kids. stuff in the trees. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Travis, write more in the forest. This is so much fun. I love more purple skies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of fire, a lot of dark, a lot of shadows, a lot of trees and stuff in this book. So those like really like hard contrast things are really fun to draw. Um, and well, so and I, have a film, I have a film background, so I think I help Luke a lot too. Cause I'm like, the main character has to have a flannel around her waist. And he's like, why does she need to have a flannel? I was like, cause you need something for movement. Cause it's going to be a lot yeah. of running like and things like that so well, that's where we really complement each other like yeah. uh luke trusts if if i say there's there's something there like he understands i have a thought and i have an answer like yeah. it's been thought out <laughs> brilliant i've actually uh travis is writing those kind of things in uh actually made me start to kind of look at some other things when when uh you know kind of in my in my post as editor-in-chief at terraform when someone brings a character i'm like they need a scarf or something, you know, it's like they, <laughs> they need movement. Yeah. And I was like, well, I didn't think about that. I'm like, I didn't either, but Travis would have. So um, that's why Superman right. looks so freaking cool. Yeah. That's why they draw capes. Yeah. 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 I was actually working on character design for a new story uh, that someone's writing. And I've like, I drew this like kind of scarf thing on them and they go, why'd you draw that scarf thing? That didn't make any sense at all. I'm like, cause this is going to look really cool with them jumping across buildings with that thing trailing in the, in the moon, you know, Heck against yeah. the contrast of the moon. This could be great. They're like, yeah, it will look cool. I said, so you just need to write a reason why they have it. <laughs> <laughs> it's your job to write it. It's my job to draw it. <laughs> now I want to see a book that involves purple skies trees and scarves so that's my next challenge for you guys just off of that four issue series right there i think and then i get credited for the idea i think that's a good idea i, I think yeah. doctor who has it somewhere so i think you're fine. oh yeah Thanks, <laughs> that's that's, the, that's that's very true so travis i know from when we talk um in the past year uh you know one of the things that you told me that I, I took away from from broke down is that uh you you like to have a plan going into the kickstarter um you know you like to have i think if i remember correctly like and i don't know if this is the case with voodoo but like you like to have all of the line art done when you go to kickstarter because you like to sort of be able to you know hit that launch button know that like roughly 80% of the work is done and that, that, that you're going to be able to, to deliver on time. So is, is that the case with, with Voodoo? And if it's not, you know, you know, I know that you guys will, will, will still make it. Edit it out. I, I hate this question. No, no, no. <laughs> of course. Yeah, of course. The same rule with Luke, you know, I, the same rule as all my artists, you know, if you're working with me, we have to have it done before we launch uh, however, Luke did find a way to break that rule. Um, 
we have one page that we want people to draw be drawn in um, okay. so we shared that so that one isn't done that'll be done hopefully like the day after the kickstarter we can send the survey to that guy those guys and get that done immediately but yeah everything's done but that one page uh in colors i think what are we on eight or nine ten eight or nine like he'll be yeah and he'll as, as the further we get in the faster he'll start working too because yeah I, I always find like the first few pages of colors it's 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 the most difficult especially you know since he hasn't really worked with us before and so he doesn't know what travis is looking for he doesn't really know exactly what i'm looking for um and you know i always you know I, I pay attention to the pictures and I kind of default some of the color stuff to, to Travis. There's a few things where I'll be like, ah, I kind of had this in mind when I drew that or whatever, but you know, so the, that process will pick up a little bit faster. Um, so do you think with like coloring, like that's sort of like the, maybe like the, the first like one to two to three pages is sort of finding the palette, finding out like what each person's wearing, like what kind of makes sense. And then once you have that, uh, that it's like as you get to more pages that allows you to sort of speed the process along No, oh, I, I do. Yeah, uh, okay. I've worked as a colorist a few times So I know like from my own experience the first page is usually the one that takes me the longest because you're trying to establish that look and feel um, And the cool thing about voodoo nations is like it starts out with one feel and then it takes a turn, you know, okay. and so so he's going to be fine for a few more pages, but like here in like another couple of pages, he's going to have to like, we're going to be like, okay, now, now, now it's dark time again. You know, it's like, like think evil <laughs> because the, 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 the feel of certain scenes are going to, are going to change. And he's pretty good at adapting with that stuff and things too. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he does with that work. Um, yeah. So yeah, I've got one page to draw. But yeah, cool. but even, even that being said, our, our letterer has, almost it all done because he'll letter it in like a black and white version. So he just has to switch out the color page in the background and nothing changes. So the lettering will all be done before he's on vacation this week, but he actually just messaged me today. I'm back. He's like, I'll get it to you by Monday. So he'll have everything lettered out so we can read it. We can send, we can start sending it to people for pre-press to, to kind of review and, and give us some feedback immediately. Make sure the editor checks out it one more time. So, we get these things done. I mean, my last Kickstarter that I that I just finished was done and delivered in three weeks. So nice. uh, I really want to be that guy who gets you your book and your stuff. This so will hopefully, you know, we're gonna overexceed our numbers and need to buy a whole bunch of stuff so we can't. So it takes longer. But the only reason why I want it to take longer is because I'm buying our people more stuff. Mm, very very cool. Um, so. Uh, I'm going to ask a question of Luke here as a, as a man who is sort of, uh, and we use this term a few times, like sort of the Swiss army knife of, of comics. You can, you can do so many things. Uh, you know, you, you can color. I think you said you could letter earlier. Are yeah, you sort but... of like, are you sort of able to, to advise uh, on various aspects of it uh, beyond sort of like the drawing? Yeah, I am. I mean, that's typically, you know, kind of the role I've, I've played in the past with a lot of different projects. Uh, I think maybe sometimes um, some people don't like that because, you know, I, I, I can, I can sometimes, you know, cause I see something in my head and I'm like, oh, I think that would look really good. Um, but I also know the, like the jargon, like I, I, I know, like when a letterer does something, I'm like, I know how they did that. And I'm like, well, Hey, try, you know, I might say, Hey, try this or whatever. And uh, I'm afraid that sometimes I can intimidate people with like, kind of my feedback and so I try to be real like nice about it or I just try to let Travis do the feedback um but yeah I, I you know I can 
I, I try to, you know, sometimes advise on those things. I'm like, yeah, maybe try this. Um, throw, 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 the, throw the rider under the bus, make him, make him yeah. the bad guy. Yeah. Right? Make him the bad guy, you know, like, but I think that was kind of the big problem with our, with the first colors when he did the first, he did the first five pages and I was like, I mean, these are great, but there was no contrast in the panel. Like the background would have the same color as the foreground characters clothing and i'm like it just like your eye is like struggling to see what the focal point is and so like all of those things where i was like ah it's just not but he beautifully rendered but it was just kind of like little choices like that like the like it just where where some people might be like it just didn't feel right you know it's like ah, i don't know it's, it looks good but it just doesn't feel right and you know i can like well it's because you know you need the background to contrast the foreground and uh and you know you could talk about those things technically, and and it could be, you know, I try not to, I, but I try not to do that too much. I try to give people um, some direction. I'm not the editor. Um, I'm the artist. So yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah, and and I get some feedback. Uh, we're using my Jerome. We're using the same guy who does all the broke down books as a letterer. So he, okay. him, and I work really well together and have our own style. It was actually uh, that was our first conflict. Is Luke going, I don't like that, where I tend to go to the drum, I'm like, oh, whatever, yeah, it looks good. <laughs> and Luke was like, no, I, I want it like this. And Jerome being like, what do you feel about that? And I was like, oh, Luke says he doesn't like that. Yeah. Let's see something else, I guess. Well, I, if anything, I've actually lettered professionally more than I have actually done the art for stuff. So I've, I've lettered a lot of things um, over the years, probably, I don't know, probably three, probably two dozen books I've, I've lettered. And, uh, and so I, I <laughs> whenever anyone sends a submission to Terraform or any of the other companies I've worked for, the number one thing that usually gets dinged is lettering. I'm like, ah, because the font has to like complement the art and then the bubbles yeah. have to look organic, you know? And so there's like kind of all that stuff. And those are just little things that like, like catch my eye. And so, uh, Jerome is a great letterer, by the way, he really is. And so it was nothing against his talent or his ability. Cause he's, he's amazing at what he does. He's got a great track record, great resume. It was just like, I just didn't like that choice. Like I would like to see something a little different. And, uh, are you good about like, Hey, that font doesn't work, but here's one that I find really works with my style well. Uh, or, you know, here's maybe a, a tip on how my how the lines on the balloons should look, like thinner or thicker lines or something. Yeah, I I can give all that feedback. Like there's like a list of like three fonts that really look good against my art. And so um I tend to like say, hey, my I, I have letterers that actually letter my books for me now. Like I try not to do it all myself because it's, you know, there's just no way to do it all and try to produce as much. I still work a full-time job, you know, so I, I yeah. put in 40 hours a week and then I, you know, do comic books. And so it's one thing when you're doing your own, but then when you start like, you know, trying to do stuff with a company, it gets really overwhelming to try to do all those pieces. And so uh, I'll, people that letter my books, I'm like, Hey, use this, this, or this, these are really good. Um, I, I kind of let the the letter choose like the the line width on the outside of the bubbles and stuff like that. I'm not a, as big a stickler about that. My big thing is like when that when like the lettering encroaches upon the faces. Yeah, like okay. that bothers me. Like it's like nails on a chalkboard to me because yeah. I've I've had to redo pages so many times from like messing up doing that earlier on in my in my career that it's like it's ingrained in me not to do that and if you know there's certain like just like lettering rules that i tr that i try to follow and that you know uh they just drive me crazy if 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 a letter doesn't do those um, contrast things like that um of course 
I've had inkers tell me that I'm a terrible inker because I know I break all the rules, which they're probably right. You know, they're probably telling the truth. Um, you know, but I'm an inker by default, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm the same way though about the, the lettering encroaching on the faces. Um, I just did a, I just lettered a book for Matt and I'm, I'm very new to the lettering game, but uh, the, the, the artist drew this really great panel on one of the early pages and it was a very small inset panel and it was the, the whole panel was the face of the main character and, and the, and the character's hand taking off his sunglasses. And so there was just this one little spot between the hand and the head. And I was like, can I fit the bubble in there? And I couldn't. So it uh, had to get on the face in order for me to have the dialogue balloon in there. And I can tell you that should be proof enough that it bothers me so much. I had no you remember it. I remember in that, that panel and I was like, oh. Yeah, in that case, I probably would have just like broke the rule and put the bubble outside of the, outside of the panel. You see, like I have a hard time with that because I um, – I showed one of my early comics to Declan Shalvey and I lettered that book and he pointed out like, he's like, that breaks the flow of the, of the composition. So that's always my fear is like, I'm like, I have to like, I'm like, I don't want to break the flow. And yeah. uh, so I'm like, break the flow, put the bubble over the face. It's like, ah. Well, sometimes yeah. it doesn't break the flow. Like I had like one where like I had a panel here and then another panel here, but they were both close-ups of faces. And like, you know, you, I would have put text right over the face, but in order from one panel to the next, there was kind of like this gap that was over non-essential art. And so I put the bubble right there so that you read it and then saw the facial expression. And so it worked with the flow of it. Um, but it, I worked hard with my editor and uh, you, you, you know, him, Travis Chuck, like to make sure that that all worked and flowed well. So kind of went back and forth in those things, but uh, that's why I don't like to look at it all by myself. I like to have other people take a look at it. Yeah. I think lettering is sort of the, uh, the unsung uh, hero of comics. Like you don't recognize it unless it's, unless it's done wrong. Like if it's, you know, you should, uh, you know, if a letter is doing his job, you don't notice him. But if he's not doing his job, then, then you do notice him. So it's, it's, a, it's a difficult position. Yeah. I picked up a book the other day at the comic book shop that uh, is from a, a larger publisher that's distributed through Diamond. I picked up the book, took it home, I read it, hated everything about the book except for the lettering. I was like, wow. like everything about this book is terrible. I was like, the art is so-so. The writing was, ugh, there wasn't a story there. It was just ridiculous. And then, But I was like, but the letterer did a good job. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so Travis, I know generally for you, it seems like it's uh, like one broke down book uh, a year. That generally seems to be your plan. Is, is, is that right? So is that something that uh, we can look forward to for, with Voodoo Nations? Uh, we're going to try to get it out sooner, actually. Okay. We're try to do, uh, so our, our plan is to get, uh, from here on out, he's going to try to finish one by the end of the year, the issue two. That doesn't mean we're going to launch the Kickstarter by the end of the year, but he's going to try to finish issue two. And then three and four will be done next year uh, is, is our plan. That's that's correct, right, right, right Luke? Yeah. Um... Well, See, he, he, he can <laughs> produce these faster because he's not paying his artist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's that whole co-creator uh, credit. It's like, hey. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I uh, see. 
I tease, I tease, but it's, I, I like it. So the idea is to have the second one done by the end of the year, which I don't think will be a problem. When I get going at a pretty good clip, I can, I can finish the uh, pages pretty quickly. Um, I was pretty distracted kind of early on with a bunch of other things kind of going on. And Travis was like, pages, pages. Have you ever seen that Dave Chappelle meme, like where he was from the show with the, 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 the powder on his nose? Like, you know, got <laughs> oh, any more the, of them, uh, you know, I, oh, I, I kept thinking name? I was going to make Tyrone, one. You guys Tyrone, got any more of that? Yeah, uh, uh, so it was pages that, yeah. in this case. Yeah, yeah. Like, I was like, it was like, it was like, Travis, you got any more than pages? Uh, but, you know, it was like, I had a week where it's like, hey, things are all calmed down. And I knocked out like, I don't know how many pages I knocked out that week, but I, I pretty much knocked out the rest of the book uh, nice. pretty quickly. So uh, we can, you know, we can look ahead. Like, we're definitely going to get issue two done before the end of the year. If he's got issue three written and we can afford to pay the, you know, pay the layout guy to, you know, drop the layouts while I'm drawing the next issue then uh, we'll just go ahead and start moving on that. But I would like to see all of the art done for everything by next February for all four issues. That's my goal anyway. Wow. Todd, are awesome. you, do you average like penciling a page a day? Um, I, if, if I'm not doing something else like graphic design or something like that, or, you know, someone's not in the hospital or, you know, if I have time to do it, I can, I, it's, I, I would say average a page a day, but there's, there's been weeks where I've been able to knock out like nine, 10 pages. Wow. Yeah, I get. You guys zone. are, you guys are interesting to him because a lot of time when he does these, he'll be drawing. When he does interviews, he'll he's always drawing. Yeah. So I know if he's got a lot of interviews that week, I'm gonna get a lot more pages. So I just <laughs> encourage him talk to as many people as you want. Well, but, you guys have I've been fun to talk to. <laughs> yeah, I've not been drawing because you guys are fun to talk to. Uh, <laughs> oh, I shouldn't say that out loud, so everyone that sees me drawing is gonna know they're like, they're, we're born the crap out of Luke. Hi, <laughs> um, are you so? This is uh, going to go way off topic just to keep it interesting. Sure. Um, I've listened to your episode, of course, Travis, and where you've talked about your influences and you've, you've sort of brought up again, like you have a very uh, strong film background. You think of everything sort of in, in, in screenplay terms and in, in filmic terms. Um, uh, and uh, what are your influences as far as comics go? Like what was there a creator, a writer, a series that you're like, that's what I want. Like when you read it, you were like, that's what I want to make for the rest of my life kind of thing. All right. So this don't judge me. Oh um, no, it's Charles Schultz. Well, <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. I'm just kidding. No, no it's uh, Bendis really, really inspired me. Uh, early Bendis when he was doing goldfish and jinx, uh, and you know, his old salmon twitch days, uh, his daredevil run, like that stuff was super inspiring to me. Like I like forsake him when he did uh, ultimate Spider-Man. I'm like, what are you doing? That's not Spider-Man. What the hell are you writing? Cause at the time ultimate Spider-Man came out, they was chapter one Spider-Man done by John Burns. I don't know if you remember that. It was done at the same time. I was like, there's already an alternate universe Spider-Man. Why do we need this? Mm -hmm. Um, so Bendis was a big thing, and he, I saw that dialogue was really important, can be used really well. Um, so he was a big one. Chuck Dixon was a big deal, the way pacing works, because his pacing works like a movie. So everything he writes is very movie. Frank Miller, obviously, uh, the same kind of style. Um, and then, you know, more recently, you know, my, my things are Jason Aaron, Donny Cates, you know, uh, the, the, basically the big guys. Uh, but even like... Uh, Chip Zdowski is fantastic in the, the way oh, he yeah. thinks and the way he, he writes a panel and the way he, he thinks about things. Um, you well, know, I talk about I, good dialogue in comics. Chip Zdowski is like top of the, I think, like top of the food chain. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I, and I love, um, you know, some of my favorite comics are, 
are low impact. Like I love Brian Oxton's uh, Crimson, if you remember that book from the 90s. Like mm-hmm. I love that book. I love the pacing of the book. I loved uh, that they had time to flesh things out. Um, I love, I'm a big Jeff Loeb fan. Like prior to, I, I don't want to, this may be offensive and I apologize, Jeff Loeb, if you listen to this. Prior to his son's, prior to his son's death, he, he just, oh. once his son died, it got a little rough. You know, um, you know, he hasn't done a long Halloween or anything like that. I, I still think it's in him. It's just, it's, it's probably way harder. But, I just uh, read yeah. um, his, black, his uh, Captain America White recently. Yeah. That's a good book. I was like, I was really surprised. I heard like, like mediocre to like people not liking it or anything like that. But I read it and I was like, dang, this is like one of my favorite Captain America stories. Like this is, I mean, I like think- it, it's definitely got that, like it, it's sort of, Alan Moore in a way because it sort of highlights sort of the like and not in a bad way like the homoeroticism of being like of of Captain America (laughs) that kind of thing and it's sort of like not in a goofy way I'm like I'm like wow like this is really making me rethink Captain America and uh it's uh, yeah Jeff Loeb is brilliant yeah all those color series are really good you know um you know I love the Spider-Man uh Spider-Man Blue was really really good especially when you got to that part where Mary he's Mary Jane comes in the room and he's hiding it because he's talking to Gwen Stacy through the tape record and he's like, no, Gwen Stacy's not. I remember breaking my heart, just like, I just need a minute. <laughs> but yeah. And, uh, yeah. Those oh, are my sorry dudes. to interrupt you. Yeah, those are, my, those are my dudes. You know, I read a lot of comics, so I read everybody. So it's, it's tough. But those are the people who I think influenced me to really feel that I could do comics, you know? Yeah. And Luke, well, I guess, yeah. Um, sort of for you, who are your artists? Because I'm looking at your your hybrids poster and I'm like, I'm getting a lot of great like image, like early image era, 90s, like McFarlane, uh, Larson yeah. vibes from, the, from your artwork, from the poster behind you. Yeah, so I started out, like I remember it was like, like 1985, I actually got the, my hands on it. So it was like five or six years old. So maybe 85, 86. But I remember getting my, my dad, I would draw like all the time. And uh, somebody that my dad worked with gave him some comic books because he knew that my, his son liked to draw. And so he gave me some comic books. And he brought home uh, Mike Zeck's uh, issue four of Secret Wars was oh, one wow. of them that was there. And I, hey. I was just enthralled by the cover. So I went through trying to draw everything that I possibly could out of that thing until I wore it out, become one of my favorite. So from there, I started going, to the, oh, yeah. I started going yeah. to the comic book stores. I, I discovered Jack Kirby. I discovered, uh, you know, like all of his work. I discovered Ditko, like all of these other artists, these classic kind of more artists. You know, uh, George Perez became a huge influence for me. And then, you know, the 90s hit and uh McFarlane and Liefeld were gods to me (laughs) you know I was like I wanted to draw like these guys so much and so uh I started to kind of start to work some of their rendering and stuff in and then one of the things that wound up happening was over the course of the last five years I wanted to be me I wanted to find my style. And so if you look at all of my work over the course of the last five years, it's all kind of adapted and changed a little bit as far as artistically goes, because I was trying to find who I was, how I was going to render, how my shading was going to be. I mean, I do dream and crosshatch. So there's that, but it was like, I was like, let's, let's, you know, let's really find it. And so you start to see that adapt. And the fun part was the story hybrids actually started about five years ago. So you actually get to see it through the five, through the five 
uh, five issues of the first arc, that development of my style. And so, yeah, so you, you're seeing all of those kind of things there. I think, you know, some of the classic look, but also with some of that kind of those McFarlane, like I, there's one thing he does like with some of his videos where he just like grabs his tablet and he's doing this digital thing and he like he scribbles and like and then i'm like what the heck is that and then all of a sudden it's spider-man or something i'm like holy crap like that looks (laughs) awesome i'm like and you just did that in like five seconds and uh so i i've been trying to practice that and do that because i want that's what i want you know i want that kind of so i practice all the time you know i'm always drawing something doodling something trying to do that and as far as writing goes man frank miller really got me i like some of that dark writing um you know, I, this is going to be, sorry, Stan, but Stan was never my favorite writer. Like he was my favorite story arc. Right. Like he was great, mm-hmm. but he, I just kind of felt like he felt like there needed to be words on every, in every panel. And I, you know, I was coming to more like a show me, don't tell me kind of guy. So, but uh, yeah, so I, I, I liked his stuff, but it wasn't like, I liked his creations, but like, as far as like the, yeah, I was a big Frank Miller fan. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I was listening to a podcast. It's a really great podcast called Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics. Um, and they broke down issue one of Batman Year One recently on the issue. And they're talking about Frank Miller. And they they started out their podcast breaking down the Ditko Lee early Spider-Man run. And they made a joke about the end of, of year one being like, if Stan Lee was writing this right now, it'd be like, it would be saying like, oh, now this isn't your ordinary Batman story, that kind of thing. Like, this isn't your grandfather's Batman, that kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like, or or something like, whoa there, uh, like, it's like tone it, it's like make it a little happier or something like that. Like, there's something like yeah. that. Yeah, I, I just like the way that Frank Miller kind of, especially Year One, man. I tell you, that's one of my favorite, one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, just. Oh, yeah. I, I think I'd like to see like what you guys think, but I almost like like year one more than I like Dark Knight Returns, but that's just me. I I agree. I agree. Yeah. I I like Daredevil a lot. (laughs) 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 That was that we're talking about, right? Daredevil year one. I think it's fantastic. (laughs) Born Again, right? Is that what we're talking about? No. Born Again is Born Again is uh, is a classic. (laughs) No, I prefer his Daredevil work than his Batman work. Like, I like Batman. I love Year One, especially. Uh, and I think Year One, if you take that and take going back to Jeff Loeb, take Long Halloween. And oh, Daredevil yeah. Run, oh, my God. That that makes that, like, the best season of a TV show ever, right? <laughs> so true. So true. <laughs> All right. So I have a, I have a, a twofold question for for travis i'm going to ask him a a question and then i'm going to lead it back into to voodoo nations with your film background uh if you could have somebody direct a broke down movie who would it be and if you could have somebody direct a voodoo nations movie who would it be Ooh. um hmm so I mean the the quick answer would be like Quentin Tarantino, right? Sure. Like that's yeah. that's obviously the, the easy one. Uh, but I would actually go Doug Lyman. Ooh yeah. Yeah, Doug Lyman. Haven't done anything in a long time, but uh, you know when you look at Swingers, uh, you know, or you look at because uh, you know though John Favreau wrote it, he did not direct it, uh, or you look at Go, like those two movies, like really have the same vibe that I'm going for. Okay. Uh, I think would be a good fit. Um, and then for Voodoo Nations, I would get James Wang, the guy who did the Insidious stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, he would tell the really dark uh, shadows and stuff like that. 
uh, he would he would he would be able to build the universe that I'm trying to build because Insidious has uh, such an insane, amazing universe and rules that it works by. And using that on like a on like Voodoo Nation, I think would be great. Very cool, Travis. I'm sorry, uh, Luke. Do you do you have anybody that you think uh, would uh, would fit Voodoo Nations? Um, I don't know much about directors, uh, but I know that when I draw Bishop Lucas, um. All right. How about if you cast him as as an actor? See, that's the thing. When I draw, like I, I, I'm not real sure, but I put a little bit of Willem Dafoe in him. I was gonna guess Willem Dafoe. Yeah, looking at him on the Kickstarter page, I was like, yeah. So I mean, Willem would have to. He'd have to do that in blackface, and I don't think that would fly. No. (laughs) No. Let's get Robert Downey Jr. (laughs) Yeah. 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 yeah, I think uh, I, I think Ryan Seacrest could be a good Brent. Yeah, make get Ryan yeah. Seacrest his Oscar. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean he's doing everything else. Give him some more work. Yeah, yeah right. Sure, sure. Sure. Well, I, yeah, I think we can handle Ryan's uh, Ryan's budget. I think. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, here's the thing. I think that if this were to be adapted into. Um, you know, Netflix or movie or something like that. I think that this would be a great opportunity for some, some uh, emerging talent to really show off their, their chops because it's, uh, it's, um, it's good character development. That is one thing that, that Travis does well. And I, I, I try not to say things that's going to uh, boost his ego any. Um, Cause I mean, he doesn't need it. Shut up now while you're ahead. <laughs> but, but he's very good at developing characters and kind of that, uh, the the human aspect of things and so uh i you know he he's done a great job uh, this is probably one of the the strongest issue ones of a series that i've had a had my an opportunity to, to look at and to be a part of um in a long time so so i think that you know i think that this is a real strong story that it could really just make someone's career if they got a hold of it to be honest with you very cool. So I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask a question. This is going to be a little bit selfish of me because this is something I need to work on. Travis, yeah. what, what helps develop characters? Because I tend to be, I tend to be a concept guy. I'm like, you know, zombies uh, and the singularity happens at the same time, but like I, I need to develop the characters. So like, could awesome. you give, could you give us some, uh, <laughs> so could you tell us like how to, how to make characters like relatable, rootable, and like to develop them. Uh, first, uh, and it's the hardest part is actually liking people. Uh, that's the hardest part. Uh, but really I have a love for people, especially people who disagree with me. Like I really do. Um, but when I take a character, what I do is I take a tragedy and I make that their life, whatever that tragedy is. And even though we don't see that tragedy or even bring up that tragedy, every effect from them uh, stems from that tragedy. Um, let's take uh, the current run. Has everybody read Donny Cates' Venom? A little bit. Uh, most sure. of it, yeah. Yeah, so, so he took, he basically was like, it's an addiction problem. He's addicted to the simulator. So he takes that from alcohol to everything. Everything Eddie Brock is now is addicted to that simulator and not rushing you know, you take Spider-Man and his addiction is, I have to take care of the people I love, but I have this weight on my shoulders that everybody else matters, everything matters. And that's what makes Spider-Man so great is 
the, the weight of all that stuff, but the world's coming to an end, but Aunt May's calling and I'm going to pick up the phone and call Aunt May and I'm going to rush her that medicine that she needs. That's more important than all of the stuff. And finding that balance is really cool versus a Tony Stark who could be like, well, yeah, I'm going to deal with this. I'm too cool for that or whatever the case would be, regardless of what the last Avengers movie tells you. Um, but finding that cusp of what makes them um, special and unique and what their drive is really it, it makes you make every decision and makes every character unique because that can never be the same for somebody else. You know, uh, I come from a drug and alcoholic family. You know, I am very successful. I own my own business. I have a brother who's in prison. So the same, the same thing can have different recoils and you can respond to that in a different way and acknowledging that and allowing that to bloom is how I make each of my characters. So each of my characters have a tragedy that is the core of their being. And then I, the scenario uh, basically has them reflect their, their, what have they been through? That tragedy is how they respond to that. And my goal is to have them every day come closer to, to getting that tragedy removed, right? Their goal is to remove this hurt from them. So, so by the end of the comic, hopefully, or the story that they, they've come closer to removing this big tragedy or what's weighing them down or what's making them react away from that tragedy. So do you write sort of backstories that, or just, or keep them in your mind, like for the characters that nobody's going to see other than you? And then like, whenever they're put into a scenario or whenever they have to make a decision, you know that like, this is sort of the most defining element of this character and this is why they're going to make that decision? Uh, yeah, it's, it's mostly in my head. Um, I do write them down. You know, I write a, a, a basic, you know, bio of all the characters. Uh, but it's, it's that one, but, but all I really need to focus on is the, the tragedies have to be big or the, the crust has to be big, whether it be someone who doesn't feel loved, whether it be someone who, who's easy to report to alcohol, someone who doesn't feel that they're enough, you know, trying to figure out that spectrum, basically their love. So to a greater extent, what their love language is, what, what makes them tick. And, and if they're not getting that, how they respond, you know, and how, how they handle things. So that's how when I write the characters, I make sure that their voice, you know, and I also give a voice to each of the characters. So the voice has to be, you know, whether it be a celebrity or somebody, how does that person talk? How does that person react? You know, between those two two things, I have a character. Very cool. All right. Well, uh, I, I really enjoyed talking to you guys. Um, but as we close up and to sort of follow up on that, so what is the the character sort of development that you put into to Voodoo Nations for for our pro tag, or or do we have two pro tags sort of, or two characters that we follow here? Great question. Uh, <laughs> it's a hard one to answer. Um, so basically, uh, the you can't I can't give too much away because sure. the ending of the story. Actually, it's in the first five pages. Actually, you know the five five pages of the preview, uh, but. Uh, the main character is RJ. She's, she's the main character. Her husband is, you know, uh, also kind of a co-star, but RJ's the main character. There's going to be a lot of times where Brent will be somewhere else and RJ is the main focus. Uh, and the goal is uh, she loses her faith. And basically it's a struggle of whether or not she can, the strength, her faith is the only thing that can save her from the situation she's in, mm -hmm. but she's hurt so bad that she cannot use her faith to, to get her through this. So that's the crust of the story and getting her through that. You know, uh, this overwhelming faith that she thought she had and then when it was challenged by 
this this foreign nature, this this voodoo priest. Um, you know, it changes her whole aspect and everything she is. Um, and and it and it's a conflict of that faith is the only thing that can get her out of the situation that she is, but she's so angry and hurt. And I think, you know, as Christians, there's a lot of Christians who feel that way, right? They they were a great believer for forever and then someone died and like now they're against God and everything's everything's different. So I'm kind of struggling with that, struggling personally, you know, my mom and dad died in the last couple of years. Who that is and do I believe that God is good or God or there is a God, you know, through that struggle and kind of putting that into story. And so we're going to see how that goes. And um, we're challenging each issue of the story has different aspects of faith that are not talked about in, in church, the church setting. And we're, we're going to turn them on their head and we're going to talk about them and we're going to stretch them out and uh, make it to amusing point. Like this book is very layered. Uh, this is why Luke just said, like if, if someone gets a hold of it, it's because if you are a master of theology, you'll get something at this way bottom level that you'll get. But if you don't know anything, and you just want to read this like it's the exorcist because it will feel like the exorcist. You don't need to know anything about religion, just the basics. You're going to get it right. There's all these different layers and, and only someone who's willing to do that and willing to, to attack their religion. Right. When you think about Christian stuff, like it's, it's joke and campy and all that. That's not who I am. That's not who I'm ever going to be. I am a faithful guy, but I also understand that there's, there's darkness in the world and what that darkness can do. So I kind of play that all out. Sorry, that was a long answered question, but that's the story is. No, it's it's it was uh, it was it was it was a very awesome answer. I, I appreciate it, and the and the insights to character development. I, I appreciated that as well. Uh, so, Luke, we're gonna we're gonna ask you uh, like a sort of follow up question. As as a man of of faith yourself, um, how did you sort of handle these issues? I know that Travis is sort of the the wordsmith here, but you sort of had to sort of convey that in, in imagery. So, so how did you handle that? Yeah. Well, the first thing was I looked through the script and, uh, you know, I, I am a theology guy, you know, I'm kind of a theology nerd. And so we talked about some of the theological things and kind of, you know, like, where are you coming from? What are you thinking here? Um, why is the character making this decision? You know, help me understand that. And so I can help portray that better. Um, and it really resonated with me because, you know, in 2008, we actually had a pretty bad year and I lost my mom and we had a miscarriage all within two weeks of each other. And so it really made my faith challenged. And so, you know, it's a testimony that I share often with my congregation and other people that, that maybe are going through tough times. And uh, I had that moment when I could have, like my faith could have broke. Um, and it did a little bit and it did a little bit, but um, there was a series of events that brought me closer to, uh, to the God that I serve, you know, and in that process, uh, I look back and I'm like, you know, I would not change any of those events because it made me exactly who I am today. And so as I'm hearing the story and what he's wanting to challenge and the, the parts of our faith that we oftentimes whitewash or, you know, uh, we, try to, we try to hide the humanity um, of, our, of our broken nature in our faith uh, when God never intended us to do that. And so as, as he started doing that, I was like, okay, well, let's look through that. One of the things was like, well, would these missionaries that are here, would they really like dress like this for this service? You know? And, and so I kind of challenged that at first, but then as we went through it, I was like, no, they absolutely would because their faith is being challenged. They're so young in their faith. They're trying their best to make the world better, leave the wood pile a little bit higher because it, it took me a while to really t- kind of understand who these 
characters were like they are they are missionaries but they're not fully equipped yet you know because it, and how oftentimes do we you know being in my position you know i think how many times are 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 christians usually sent out to do the work when they're very very ill-equipped or not properly equipped and so i started thinking in those terms so it's like okay well let me draw these characters let me try to get the visuals of like what's going on here you know and uh so the 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 compound or the complex for which they do work in it's very elaborate and it's very nice you know because at first i thought you know i'm going to draw this thing kind of like lean to looking and things like that and i'm like no this would have been well funded because you know because i know missionaries that are that fit the bill of exactly what Travis was it was is explaining and as he's developing these characters I'm like yeah I know these people like I know them I know exactly who they are how they would look I know exactly the organizations they would work with and what they would be equipped with so they would get, be given all of the tools they needed to do the work and do the missionary work but it's it's the things that you can't buy and that you can't equip the equip a person with that really that really needs to be challenged in our faith um, and it's what do you do when your whole world seems to be gone? That I mean, it's just a it's a beautiful story, and I fully expect that there's going to be people that um, that do come from a faith background like I do that are probably going to get really really ticked off with this book to start with. They're going to be like, oh my gosh, I thought you guys were you know I thought you guys were Christians. You know why are you attacking faith? And we're not attacking faith at all. We're attacking mediocrity within our faith um okay. and in a sense you know and it's uh you know we're challenging the things that need to be challenged and travis is doing a wonderful job doing it um it everything lines up theologically and everything you know uh, that's why i'm in the picture that's why our editor is in the picture and it's and it's done in such a way to where it's it's beautiful and poetic and uh, I can't wait. And that's why I want to have the art done as soon as I, I've said, because I, I cannot wait for people to get this story. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be so worth, um, worth the, the payoff at the end to see uh, where Travis takes the story. And uh, cool. again, man, I just don't want to keep giving him, don't want to keep, keep me <laughs> too, too many kudos there. <laughs> well, and I'm knocking Travis off the, the zoom call good <laughs> well the the other thing that i want to point out is we did that for the the same thing that we just talked about for the protagonist we did the same thing for the antagonist cool. antagonist hurt and his feelings and his stuff you know as you see magneto is a very well threat fleshed out villain mm -hmm. you know everything his reasons for why he does make sense for him he's a good guy in his own mind same thing with bishop lupus he is a good guy in his own mind but he is struggling with his own hurt he's going through his own transformation same time that's that's very cool uh yeah i i think sometimes uh the the challenge with uh the the antagonist or the uh, the villain is that you need to make them not sort of like that that bond ass sort of mustache twirling villain sort of like i think like if you think about like the black panther movie um like when when killmonger sort of gives his speech while you don't you don't agree with it you sort of see like his point of view like yeah. so like that's that's a difficult thing to do at times yeah like what they did with thanos in the in the uh, end game thing you know it's like I, yeah. um it, the motivation i felt like they did a good job with the motivation there it's like i'm not saying i agree with him but i have sat in duval county traffic <laughs> at rush hour and i'm like i'm not saying he's right but i get it i get it uh <laughs> 
Awesome. So uh, as we close up, I want to give Travis a chance to, uh, to pitch uh, Voodoo Nations one last time uh, as it's on Kickstarter now. So Travis, could you give us uh, a log line um, and promote it a little bit? Again, I told you he does it better. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm box. sorry. I, that's correct. Uh, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to Luke, you're up. <laughs> oh yes, absolutely. So these two young missionaries uh, go into the world to try to make the Brazil a better place. They see the hurt, they see the pain, they see the things that are there and they try uh, in such a naive way to, to make it better. Uh, but their whole world gets turned upside down when they meet this guy named Bishop Lucas, who is a voodoo priest with uh, some vendettas of his own against the church. And so um, during this four issue mini series, we trek the globe and we uh, get deep into the parts of culture that many of us don't even know exist. And we see how it can, uh, we see how it can impact a person and their, uh, their worldview. So definitely go over to the Kickstarter voodoo nations. Number one, back this thing. There's several different uh, tiers that you can get involved with. You absolutely want to get in on the ground floor while you can. Um, I have, I'm not just saying because I'm drawing this thing. I think this book is, it's, it's going to be a big deal. Okay. Can we just, <laughs> can we just agree to that? Travis, it's going to be a big deal. Again, um, always try to take me out of the call. So you get them both <laughs> out of now. They're going to, uh... yeah. No, but I'm really saying that, you know, as I said, that I think that this story is one of those things that could be a career maker for someone if they got a hold of it with film or things like that. Um, when, when I heard this pitch and I saw it, I was like, I wanted to draw it because I kind of feel like it could be a career maker too, you know, so I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, and you should be too, because it, it's, it's not just a normal suspense horror thing. It's not just about faith. It's not just about uh, magic. It's, it's so layered as, as you've heard over the conversation over the course of the last hour or so, um, that it's so layered that you just want to get your hands on this thing. I'm telling you, you're going to enjoy every page. There's like 30 pages of story. Uh, uh, and hopefully it stays at 30 because I was done. And then Travis added another, another page. He's like, yeah, let's do this other thing for the page. And I'm like, all right, I'll draw another one. But, Almost <laughs> out. It keeps pulling um, you back yeah, in. Exactly. So, so right now we've got 30 pages of story that can wow. just, I'm telling you, you're going to love this. It's well worth, um, well worth the, the prices you're going to pay for it. And uh, you should definitely, definitely get your hands on this thing. Very cool. So Travis, your, your artist uh, sold the book for you. Can you, uh, can you let folks know where they can find you uh, online to, to see a little bit more? Yeah, just if you want to talk to the writer, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Voodoo, you can find me at VoodooNations.com. Uh, that is uh, what we're promoting right now. Uh, Travis Gibb on Facebook or Jester Lou, J-E-S-T-E-R-L-O-U on Instagram and Twitter. One day I'll explain why I have that name. Uh, but yeah, that's where you can find me. Um, you can also find the Kickstarter. We unfortunately don't have a crazy link because I haven't bought it yet because I'm lazy. But just search us Voodoo Nations. We're the only Voodoo Nations on Kickstarter, so we're easy to find. Cool. We're going to have links to that and the, the show notes to, to the podcast to make it uh, clickable for, for anybody for listening. Uh, Luke, uh, how about for, for you? And uh, do you want to promote uh, Terraform Comics a little bit? Sure, absolutely. You can find me at lukestonestudios.com. Uh, I have all of my um, social media stuff connected through there. So you can find me on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook as well while you're there. Uh, you can Google me, believe it or not. And um, I'm one of the top results. I, th I think that's very weird for me. 
Like, you know, there's another Luke Stone out there. It's between me and this guy that's in a story that's uh, about this guy named Luke Stone. And I'm like, someone stole my name for that story. Uh, so when I, Google, when I Google Travis, I think I get the guy from, from the Bee Gees. Is, is that, is that, that's normally who I get, right? Yeah, there. So it's either me or him, depending on where you search. Uh, the problem is we both live in Florida, which is, makes it extra hard. Uh, but yes, uh, the BG son is named Travis Gibb, and we are the same exact age. Oh wow! Uh, and it's been really rough. Back in the old AOL, AOL days, like I used to have girls like flirt with me, like women, adult. Oh, that's women. so rough. No, no, no. Like they're like 40 year old women and I'm like 18, barely 18. And they're just like, Hey, so you're the son of the Bee Gees. I was like, no. And even if I was with a 40, I wouldn't be in my type. If you liked my, let's say I was that dude. If you like my father's music, you're out. <laughs> All right. So I'm sorry. I sidetracked us before the uh, Tara Farum comics. Uh, that's, uh, yeah. But you know, that's the story of my life. You know, I'm ADHD. So it's just like, follow the rabbit hole. We never know where it's going to go. But yeah, so Terraform Comics is a new company that we started changing the landscape of comics. You can find us at terraformcomics.com. Uh, please feel free to sign up for that mailing list. We've got some great announcements going to be coming up. We're going to work with some great artists. One of the uh, creators that we've just signed up is a guy named Austin Janowski, who's actually got some credits with uh, DC and Marvel as an inker. Nice. And um, he's got some acting credits and things like that. So Hollywood's knocking on his door and he's, uh, uh, and when they're not knocking, he's pounding on theirs. So, uh, there's some good things working out there. We picked up another guy um, by the name of, uh, I, I, I don't know if I should announce it yet, but I'm going to say it. Mark Darden with Guano Guy, who does a great series that we're picking him up. And so we're going to be doing some work with him. And uh, we've got several others that we're working on right now. And so along with our own IPs that we're doing. And so we're pretty excited about it. So terraformcomics.com. Um, people ask, well, why aren't you taking Voodoo Nations there? And I'm like, well, I we would, but. Travis it's not and I good enough. Up. It sucks. <laughs> Bringing Travis down a little bit there just to no, balance it out a bit. I, I, I think, can answer. I can answer the question. The the reason why is they're in a brand new company, mm -hmm. and I want them to have a Batman. That I want them to have a Superman. I want them to have these major stuff. Voodoo Nations is a very dark personal story. It's a daredevil, right? Yeah. It's not. A, it's not a stuff. It's not that I don't think it's good. If Terraform was around for five years, and I would be a new book, Voodoo Nations would be in it in a minute. It's just. I want them to have these ultra crazy stuff, but this is a very personal, very intimate story. It's not a very good launch story, right? Yeah. Yeah. You don't you don't launch image with saga. You launch it with launch with spawn. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> awesome. Well, guys, and I had a big aspirations. I had, I had a, a great time uh, talking to you. You know, we we talked uh, craft, we talked story, we 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 talked a lot of things. Uh, Noah, do you have uh, anything as we close up here? No, I, I really enjoyed this conversation. It's we we talked about this, you know, last week. We we had a guy on who was a an illustrator, and it turned out his first job as a as an artist was working on the engravings on gravestones. So I'm always just like I always love getting these different artists with the different backgrounds in. And we had the same thing earlier this week too. It's it, there, no one ever really has the same story about why they create comics or where they came from in order to make comics. So it's, and it's, it's cool to get spiritual every once in a while too. So I really liked that. I really appreciated that part of it too. And what you guys are trying to do. Um, I, I really think it's cool to see a story come from a deep spiritual place. And uh, then also to pick comics to tell that story. So I, I really appreciated your guys' time and 
and, and talking about the love of comics and the love of this comic specifically. Awesome. Well, uh, Travis and Luke, I, I'd like to thank you again. You guys have an uh, open invite anytime you want to come back, Broke Down, Voodoo Nations, Terraform, anything you guys you want to talk about, uh, we'd love to have you on. Um, as we close up, anybody listening, if you'd like to give us a rating or review on whatever podcasting service you use, we really appreciate it. If you want to follow the podcast, we're on Twitter, at ConstructComPod. We're on Instagram, Constructed Comics Pod. Facebook and YouTube is Constructed Comics. Um, links to the Kickstarter and everybody's social media will, will be in the, the show notes. We'd like to thank everybody for listening. Uh, please be safe. Please uh, be nice to each other and uh, go out there and uh, make some comics. <laughs>